Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update podcast. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR, Todd Tronowski. Thank you for joining us this week. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy week to join us and be with us. Certainly a lot going on in the rail industry this week, so we'll we'll jump right in and get right to it. Many of you are, are traveling this week, whether it's uh, to the Opus NGL conference, whether it's to the Rail Equipment Finance conference, uh, certainly a lot of things uh, going on at the moment, a lot of places to be, people to see. So we will uh, get right to right to it this week. Intermodal volumes, uh, they remain quite weak, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. Uh, really no rest uh, for the weary in the intermodal space. They continue to, to just be battered, sort of uh, one against the other in terms of, of getting, getting traction, getting volumes. We'll talk a little bit about that. Carload volumes, they bounce back a little bit sequentially. Overall, I'd say it remains a fairly stable picture. We're not really gaining momentum uh, in any particular direction. We're still just sort of uh, treading water. And many of you saw the news this week. The National Transportation Safety Board has opened a special safety investigation into Norfolk Southern uh, in the wake of yet another uh, yet another accident. This time uh, involving a, a fatality for one of their uh, one of their own one of the railroaders out again. Uh, once again in Ohio, and so that is something that the entire industry is going to have to keep its eye on, because certainly anything that comes out of uh, this special investigation, even though it is focused on Norfolk Southern right now uh, by the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, certainly could have far-reaching effects when you think about the fact that the industry as a whole is really in the crosshairs of regulators and legislators at the moment. Uh, so it certainly it will be watched across the industry, and certainly what comes out of it uh, could end up applying not just to uh, the NS, but also to the industry as a whole. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that as that develops. Certainly it's been uh, a, a brunt of bad luck for NS over the last uh, several weeks with the, the, the couple of derailments, now the employee fatality. Uh, it's you know, they may be certainly unrelated events, uh, but they certainly optically don't look particularly good. They don't shine a particularly uh, favorable light on the industry. Certainly we'll hear uh, more about that later this week on Capitol Hill uh, when uh, Alan Shaw, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, along with uh, several different folks from Ohio, uh, testify in front of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. That hearing is on Thursday. Uh, it will be a webcast on the committee's website. Uh, it will be uh, it will be something to see. Uh, I, I don't expect it to be a really comfortable, really great time 
uh, for Alan Shaw, given that Politico, uh, one of the main uh, political uh, news sources inside the Beltway, uh, already said a couple days ago that uh, you know that, that it's going to be uh, gave the impression that it's going to be a, an uncomfortable hearing uh, for the railroad. So we will see how that goes. We will see what comes out of it. What is what if anything is said? Uh, certainly, NS is a party to the ongoing NTSB investigation, so uh, they may not be able to say much in a public forum like a Senate hearing. It'll be interesting to see how that how that goes over uh, with senators who generally like to have their questions answered. Uh, so we will uh, we will see how that goes. And also, uh, in addition to the hearing, in addition to the special investigation, we also, as an industry, are uh, waiting and looking at the STB. Uh, earlier this week, the 30 days passed that the board had to wait after the issuance of the environmental impact statement uh, on the uh, Canadian Pacific Kansas City Southern merger. So now at any point, the board can issue a decision in that case. Uh, we'll have to see that. They did appoint a new interim trustee after the, the death of Dave Starling, who was the, the independent trustee uh, in, that, in that case, in that proceeding. Uh, the board allowed Ron Batori, a former FRA administrator, former Conrail head, to take, take over. Uh, that suggests to me that we, we may not see a decision uh, imminently, that it may take a little bit of time, whether that's because the board is still trying to deal with uh, competing political wins around communities around Chicago that uh, are opposed to the transaction, whether that is trying to get a unanimous decision within the board, if there are some holdouts, uh, whatever the case may be, or if it's just the board trying to, to keep the industry with a little bit lower profile, given everything that's going on. We talked about a lot of them already in this podcast. If it's just trying to sort of keep the, keep the merger itself out of, uh, out of the headlines for the time being, wait for a quieter time potentially to... Uh, release that decision. I don't know how long they can uh, legally do that, given they're already past the statutory deadline for a decision, and we're simply waiting on the environmental work uh, to be completed. Uh, but certainly, we will see. Uh, this board is not uh, not your, your grandfather's STB, not your your father's STB. They have new ideas about how they want to do things, uh, new ideas about how things should be done. Uh, so we will see just how long it takes to get a decision. Uh, for those of you who may not have read the final environmental impact statement in the merger proceeding, uh, there the really was very limited uh, mitigation measures proposed, uh, nothing really significant, nothing really beyond what Canadian Pacific had already agreed to do as part of its merger. So there really isn't a huge reason you would think coming out of the environmental paperwork that the transaction would be denied, given that the transaction is looking at uh, look at being evaluated under the pre-2001 merger rules. There doesn't really seem to be a true risk uh, of the board denying the, the merger, denying the, the transaction to go through. Uh, but then again, as we've learned in the past over the decades, uh, certainly the Santa Fe and Southern Pacific learned it uh, back in the 80s that you, you shouldn't paint so fast. You, know, you shouldn't assume these things to be a done deal. And the longer it goes on, certainly the more uncertainty gets introduced about whether the board uh, will actually approve it, even though on the merits it appears that there really isn't uh, a case out there to be made that the transaction can't or won't go through. So 
All that said, let's jump in and let's talk about the numbers this week. Uh, the intermodal volumes, they ticked up a little bit sequentially, really not much, really pretty flat. They remain about 10% down on a year-over-year basis. Uh, they remain well off the five-year average. Uh, no real sign of momentum here, no real sign of improvement, no real sign of things getting better at all. Uh, they're really just holding steady as the Lunar New Year lull continues to uh, work its way through over the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see a little bit of a, a post-Lunar New Year bounce. That would be uh, helpful for the intermodal space, but whether we get it or not, there are an awful lot of competing factors uh, buffeting intermodal right now, whether that's the weak truck utilization, whether that's uh, lower truck rates, whether that's uh, shifts in import ports, as we still don't have a resolution to the West Coast uh, dock workers contract issue. Uh, we continue to have uh, a number of headwinds that just continue to uh, make it hard for intermodal to get any sort of uh, momentum to the ground, any sort of traction in the industry. So let's look a little bit further. Let's look at the trailer market. Trailers, they stepped back ever so slightly in the last week, but again, really overall pretty flat. If you averaged from week two to week nine, uh, you'd really get a pretty flat number right around 15,000 car loads a week. Uh, that's stable, certainly, uh, but it's well off of last year, almost 30% off of last year. Uh, it's well off the five-year average. Uh, it's something that suggests that the trailer market as we go forward is going to be stable, uh, but it's going to face its own headwinds. It's not going to go back to the days of 20 or 25,000 trailers a week that we are stuck uh, right around 15 probably for the next the next few years before we take another step function uh, weaker as we get to the back half of the decade. Trailers not really uh, not really moving in any any great degree, just sort of holding their own. On the container side of the house, uh, this chart looks very much like the overall intermodal chart. Uh, it should. Containers are 90% of the overall intermodal market. If this chart didn't look like that, you would say, Todd, you've got a, got a data issue somewhere. Go back and, and sharpen your pencils and do it again. Uh, luckily for me, uh, it does look a lot like the overall intermodal chart. Up a little bit, really pretty flat. Uh, not a whole lot of movement still down significantly, whether you're looking at last year, whether you're looking at a five-year average. Uh, just no real momentum, no real uh, signs of life, signs of growth. Uh, in the intermodal space. So let's shift gears. Let's talk about carload. And carload, a really pretty steady. It, it moved up a little bit uh, overall, moved up actually fairly significantly overall on a sequential basis. Uh, but again, uh, we're not back to our highest levels of 2023. Uh, we're essentially right in line with our five-year average. Uh, we're not really moving. We're We're above last year, but we're just we're just normal in the carload market, which normal is good in the sense that we're not below normal. We've been uh, below normal for much of the last much of the last year, eighteen months. So the fact that we're at least clawing back to a, a historical average figure is a, a good thing. Uh, but it's certainly not uh, not gangbusters growth. You're not continuing to to run above the five year average in any meaningful way. You're just sort of back to normal, back to average. And that's why when we talk about a normalization of freight volumes. That's sort of what we're talking about. Volumes are just sort of holding around their historical averages. They're not, they're not moving up. They're not moving down. They just sort of are. When we talk about economically sensitive freight, 
this is a good news story. Uh, we took we took a, a nice uptick in the latest week. We're really paralleling our five-year average fairly well. Uh, we've been up on a year-over-year basis every week except week one. And it, we're back to our, our really right at our, our 2023 peak levels in the latest week. We're right at our highest levels uh, of this year. Certainly uh, highest levels we've been at uh, in a while. Uh, certainly since the middle of the, the fourth quarter, early to mid-fourth quarter of last year. Uh, we haven't seen these levels. So that's a good thing. That says there's maybe some momentum building, possibly. We'll see. Uh, economically sensitive freight as a reminder uh, for those of you out there who may not listen every week, may not be FTR subscribers. Uh, this is something that's called core carload freight. It means we pull out the coal, we pull out the agriculture, we pull out the petroleum. We look at just those sectors that are more closely tied to the underlying economy, things like metals, things like lumber, things like pulp and paper, all those sorts of uh, of commodities, and it's it's interesting, and it's good to see that there's a little bit of momentum here. Now, yes, it's back to, again, average. It's back to its, it's five-year historical number, so it's not a, not a great number, but when you think about the overall economic backdrop, when you think about the fact that depending on what subset of economic indicators uh, you put in, a, in any presentation these days, you can create a narrative that says the economy is going great, uh, nothing to see here, no recession, uh, no uh, no speed bump at all. The Fed gets it exactly right. We have a soft landing and we just keep pushing forward. If you take another set of economic indicators, uh, you could make you think that the economy is going to all fall to pieces in the next two quarters. Uh, so certainly the fact that the overall economy, when you net that out as a very slow growth, the fact that economically sensitive freight uh, is performing a little bit better than overall carload freight uh, is back to average. It shouldn't surprise anybody and is a potentially good sign for overall activity. Coal, uh, very strong bounce back in the latest week uh, on a sequential basis above the five-year average. Uh, I didn't see that coming, certainly not in an environment where natural gas is below $3 per MMBTU. Uh, that is certainly in, in a curious result, I'll call it, in the latest week. We'll see if it stands up. We'll see if it's durable as we go forward in time. Uh, I would tell you my gut says that we're not going to continue to hold those levels, that we're going to come back down as we go through the next several quarters, as we go through go through time in the coal markets. Uh, grain bounced back a little bit as well, but it bounced back not nearly as much as what we've saw, seen in the coal markets. It bounced just very little. Uh, it's essentially a little bit below last year, a little bit below the five-year average. The, the trend line really from week two of the year on has been weaker in grain, and we'll have to see. You have strong global demand. You have a little bit of a drought in Brazil in South America as that crop starts to, to come off of the fields that should support North American volumes. Time will tell. We'll have to see if we can uh, get some support in this number as we go forward. You would think, based on the fundamentals, that we would, uh, but grain has been a curious, uh, a curious commodity over the last year. So, uh, we shall see. Chemicals traffic uh, bounced back in the latest week on a sequential basis after taking a dip two weeks ago. It's essentially back to where it was uh, a couple of weeks before. It's a little bit above the five-year average. It's a little bit below last year, essentially uh, behaving seasonally, which provides some hope after uh, not really uh, being at average levels uh, for much of the last couple quarters. It's good to see chemicals uh, back in the game, if you will. Petroleum products down sequentially.
for the second week in a row. Uh, really pretty flat the f- last week, uh, sequentially down this week. The trend line, though, uh, certainly just a little bit weaker as we go through time, uh, but really pretty close, sort of splitting the difference, if you will, between the five-year average uh, and last year. Over the longer term, petroleum products lo- loadings do face some pressure as we go through time, as we think about uh, pipeline capacity coming online in Canada, as we think about uh, additional alternatives to get uh, U.S.-produced crude out to Corpus Christi, uh, certainly headwinds for petroleum products over the longer term, as we talked two, three, four years out. Stone, sand, and gravel sequentially took a tick up in the latest week, definitely showing some momentum, uh, showing some growth above last year, above uh, the five-year average. You heard me speak at Suarez. You heard me respond to STB Vice Chairman uh, Karen Headland about a question about uh, growth in general and pointing out this commodity group as one of those groups that is supported by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that Congress passed, uh, as well as additional uh, additional lettings for highway funding in Texas and in Florida and other uh, large states like that uh, that support this number uh, this year as well as potentially far into the future. We expect that expect that to continue. Lumber and wood volumes, uh, yes, they bounced up sequentially in the last week. Uh, it's still a very weak number. It's not really a whole lot of good news in lumber and wood. We're off last year. By about 5%, we're off the five-year average by about that much. It's just not, not a whole lot going on there. Housing, a big reason why. Pulp and paper, uh, flat down ever the slightest sequentially in the last week, really fairly flat. Again, sort of splitting the difference between uh, last year and the five-year average, but uh, we'll have to see here. Uh, pulp and paper is an interesting commodity group. There was an announcement uh, this week about a large paper mill that's going to close down. Uh, you have... Uh, pressure on rates as railroads continue to increase uh, pricing. You have the potential for a truck to come in and take additional share in this space. Uh, I don't see pulp and paper uh, maintaining even the current pace it's on as we go forward. Uh, But again, like many of these sectors, time will tell. Uh, On the automotive space, really fairly flat up, just ever the slightest bit sequentially, really just uh, holding its own right around 22,000, 23,000 carloads a week, halfway between last year and the five-year average. Uh, it's good to see stability in automotive when you think about where automotive has been over the last 18 months with semiconductors and other challenges, uh, seeing that it is stable, seeing that it is steady, uh, that is a good thing. That is uh, a good thing to see that we're going to have steady shipments, steady production, hopefully steady sales at the consumer as we go forward in time. Uh, but like so many things in the carload market, Time will tell. So to wrap up this week, uh, intermodal volume weakness remains significant. Nothing's really changed uh, in the intermodal narrative there as far as that's concerned. Uh, Carload volumes uh, move up a little bit. They move up slightly, but there still remains, uh, there still remains sort of bright spots and reasons for concern as we go forward. It's not across the board. Uh, It's not across the board strength by any means and it's something that we'll have to watch as we go uh, as we go forward in time and the the NTSB investigation uh, will need to be watched closely not just for its impacts potentially on Norfolk Southern uh, but its impacts on the industry as political leaders and regulatory leaders in Washington uh, look for blood across the industry uh, in the wake of the recent derailments certainly 
you could see things uh, apply to the entire industry, not just one particular carrier. Obviously, the costs of any of these particular mandates, uh, they will roll to shippers. The carriers will pass those through. Uh, so if you're a rail shipper, this isn't good news for you either. Uh, this suggests that you're going to see increased cost, increased rate increases, and potential additional pressures uh, on the economics uh, between coal and rail, uh, not just this year, but in the years ahead. And with that, I'd like to wrap up. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us this week. I hope you have a great week. hope you have safe travels back uh, to wherever home is if you were out at any industry events this week. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. As always, feel free to reach out any time to myself or any member of the FTR team if you want to talk about the industry, the economy, rail equipment. Always happy to have those conversations. We literally get up in the morning to talk about these things. I never hesitate to reach out to myself or any member of the FTR team. Uh, thank you for listening this week. We hope to see you again next week. Uh, my name, as always, as your host, is Todd Tronowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.